Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Before we get uh, to Keith Baldry to talk about the week that was in politics, I wanted to let you know that we spoke to uh, George Harvey, the mayor of Delta, at the three o'clock hour. We talked a little bit about the fact that uh, that overpass that was struck uh, just on the south side of the Massey Tunnel back in July. Uh, they've delayed um, the repair uh, until January. Many local businesses in that area were worried about the impact the construction would have on traffic. And of course, it's a busy time of the year uh, for a lot of struggling small businesses. So they're going to delay the um, the uh, repair until January. Uh, but one of the things I did bring up with the mayor was the fact that on the north side of the Massey Tunnel, of course, you have that Steveson overpass built in 1959. So it had to be Replaced and they are replacing it, widening it, and uh, of course that's part of the broader uh, tunnel construction and, and and revamping the Massey uh, Massey Crossing there. But I did say, you know, wouldn't it have been better uh, if um, that overpass on the south side, which is also an older overpass, and there's a significant growing population in South Delta as well, why not just replace that whole overpass with something new? Take a listen to his comments. Well, the unfortunate thing is that it's too bad that the uh, the dump truck that hit it didn't hit as little hard because it was almost uh, so bad that they were going to have to replace it. But now they've decided that they have the ability, after all the engineering work that's been done, to, to, to just repair it. Uh, so my question to you for, for our buzz lines is, do you think we just should replace that overpass? Uh, I know, I guess you can fix it, uh, but it does need to be replaced. It needs to be widened. Uh, call me on the buzz line, 604-331-2899. That's 604-331-2899. Or email me, jazz at cknw.com. And of course, the other buzz line question of the day is, how much are you willing to pay for Taylor Swift tickets? Uh, StubHub had uh, tickets up to $10,000 each for the BC Place concert. One, uh, I think it was SeatGeek, up to $20,000 uh, for one ticket to um, to Taylor Swift. Uh, all right, well, let's uh, focus on something else beyond just Taylor Swift and overpasses. That, of course, uh, politics here in our province this week. Joining me now is Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief, Keith Baldry. Hello, Keith. Hey, uh, you've got older daughters, but uh, I'm, I'm sure when they were younger, they would probably want to go to Taylor Swift. Would you have paid 500 bucks, 600 bucks a ticket? Oh, they still want to go to Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Swift is a major voice in my household for as the father of two young women. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd pay 500 bucks to yeah. see Taylor Swift for sure. I mean, I, I think she's a cultural phenomenon, the likes of which we really haven't seen since you know, the Beatles, literally. I mean, it just uh, reaches so far into our culture the dwarfs a lot of other entertainment acts by far so yeah i'd pay 500 would i pay 2000 i'm not sure about that yeah exactly I'd definitely pay 500 there you go all right well look we've got a couple big things i want to talk to you about one is housing and one the other is of course the bc conservatives but let's focus on housing first and foremost a massive amount of housing legislation being unveiled this week and last week as well to a greater density uh, where people were able to build three to six units on a single family lot uh, pre-zoning of land and also being able to build uh, um, 20-story buildings uh, within 800 meters of transit hubs and of uh, bus lanes as well. Um, how sweeping is this in your mind? Oh, I think it's the most sweeping kind of legislation we've ever seen in BC history. I mean, this is 
four very extensive far-reaching bills. Um, there's bound to be some unintended consequences. You've had mayors on on either side of some of these issues worrying about, is it an overreach by Victoria? It certainly is a big reach by Victoria into the over the heads of elected municipal councils on some issues that are fundamental to city council, not zoning, and how your, what your neighborhoods are going to look like, and this type of thing. So housing is a complex issue to, to solve, or, to, or the crisis is hard to, to solve. This is a very, I will use the word bold and provocative series of bills, but I don't think anyone can really say how this is all going to end up, whether or not there's going to be some unintended consequences that people don't like. I think that's almost inevitable. Uh, and to, to, just to confirm, this is legislation that will be passed, but there will be changes in regulation after that. Like we won't see the full impact of this uh, probably until mid-2024. Oh yeah, no. There's still there's still a lot of details lacking in this legislation. Uh, the one on transit that was introduced, I think it was yesterday, about requiring transit uh, hubs to have uh, increased density. There's a little more. There's more detail in that bill than say the amenities bill, the ability for municipalities to put le- levies on developments to pay for infrastructure costs. Not a lot of detail in that. The short-term rental bill, which is the ban on on uh, a minimum three-month stay, uh, anything less than that is not allowed. There's a lot of details lacking in that. So those will come in the regulations. So I think there's a lot of nervousness out there amongst mayors and city councils who like some of this stuff, for sure. But others, I think, are making them a little nervous because they haven't seen the fine print yet. Yeah, and I like I said, even small things like uh, secondary suites and laneway houses in established neighborhoods, it does shake up the character of the neighborhood, and there are those who are very comfortable with the single-family neighborhood just the way it is. I sometimes wonder what the blowback's going to be, and I'm not saying it's a generational difference, but there is a bit of a generational difference in regards to a younger generation that wants to get into the market and those that have been there for a very long time. So it'll be very interesting how all of that plays out. I want to ask you another question. It's a, a, something that came up from CMHC, and now we all know we have high interest rates, and uh, many people have said it's going to be a while before those interest rates head downwards, and it may take a while for them. They may have gone up quickly, but they may go down slower. But CMHC says close to 300,000 homeowners across the country have already been hit with significantly higher payments. Uh, but they're also saying that in 2024 and 2025, up to 2.2 million mortgage borrowers will be renewing, which represents 45% of all outstanding Canadian mortgages. They, these people should expect between the 30 to 40% increase in mortgage payments, um, and that, uh, CMHC uh, estimates, will mean an additional $15 billion in payments collectively. Um, this is a bit of a ticking time bomb, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I mean, particularly in a place like uh, BC, where home prices are off the charts. So many people are walking around out there with pretty hefty mortgages, um, mm-hmm. where they're not paying off the, the principal, they're paying basically almost 100% interest. And when you're, when you're carrying a $400,000, $500,000, $600,000 mortgage, uh, that type of interest rate, 5%, can have an enormous impact on your pocketbook. Now, I can remember, frankly, back in mm-hmm. the 80s, when the interest rate was approaching 20%. Uh, but, uh, and again, uh, incomes are relative, but back then housing wasn't costing a million uh, plus dollars for, uh, you know, a standalone house. It was maybe $200,000. So the mortgages being held by people back then weren't nearly as big as they are now, even though the interest rate was much higher than what we're seeing now. You know, we bought our house, my wife and I bought our house here in Victoria 30 years ago, and our interest rate was 7%. 
um, which is higher than what uh, you know people are looking at today. But that was a more affordable because we weren't we didn't have to buy a you know a million million and a half dollar property back then. Housing prices were around you know two hundred two hundred and fifty thousand. So the interest rates were higher, but they were easier to uh, to pay off or at least to carry. This is going to be very hard for many people to carry, yeah. and it, I just don't see housing prices going down, even with what the government's proposing with this legislation. So the demand will still be there. Um, but a lot of people are going to be feeling some, some hurt because the Bank of Canada number two yesterday, um, forget her name, but the, the vice governor said, no, interest rates are going to be around this level for some time yet. Yeah, and it, and what I meant by the ticking time bomb, it's a political ticking time bomb. And I know it's not fair. Bank of Canada sets the rates. Uh, but uh, don't tell me that uh, Justin Trudeau is not going to hear about it and Pierre Pauly is not going to try to to use it to his advantage. Don't think for a moment David Eby is not going to hear about it and the mm-hmm. opposition parties won't be using it to their advantage. I mean, this is going to be a clear and present issue for governments, uh, provincially and uh, well, it's all It's all part of the affordability issue, which is very wide, widely cast. It's not just housing. It's food costs. You know, it's, it's energy costs. Everything's going up. Incomes are not keeping pace with the cost of living increases. And so, yeah, housing is one big problem with it, but, you know, there's a host of others as well. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. We are speaking to Keith Baldry, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief, about politics uh, this past week. Now, in the legislature this week, um, the BC Conservatives, that's uh, John Rusthead and Bruce Banman, the MLAs, uh, invited uh, unvaxxed fired healthcare workers. I do believe that was on Wednesday. Uh, and uh, Mr. Banwin, um, the MLA for Abbotsford South, went uh, before uh, the the legislature there during the question period and demanded that Dr. Bonnie Henry, our provincial health officer, uh, be fired. Take a listen. Dr. Bonnie Henry and this NDP government have banned thousands of healthcare workers from working in BC's hospitals, clinics, doctor's offices and ERs. This NDP government is failing working class, everyday British Columbians, and so is Dr. Henry. My question to this NDP Premier, will he fire Dr. Bonnie Henry and hire back the thousands of healthcare workers who were wrongly kicked to the curb? People in BC know that we as a province led the world in our response to COVID-19. We did so because we respected science. We respected our public health leaders, and we had an outstanding public health leader, Dr. Bonnie Henry, leading that. There are jurisdictions that have intervened to fire their provincial health officer. We are proud of ours, we support ours, and we're going to continue to do so. 
That was the exchange on Wednesday. Keith, I mean, I I think, you know, I think Adrian Dix uh, uh, articulated it well. We've done well in regards to our fight against COVID. Have we been perfect as a, as a healthcare system? Probably not. But in regards to keeping people healthy, uh, I would argue we've done a pretty good job. But I mean, I'm just taken aback that Mr. Banman A said that and he would go that far to actually want a public uh, or a health officer fired. I thought it was ridiculous. Um, as someone who's basically been at every one of Bonnie Henry's briefings for three and a half years, um, people say, oh, you know, give Bonnie Friendly a free hand. It's basically following the science. Bandman has no idea what he's talking about. Uh, he also used this as a very personal attack. He called, uh, he called her a basically, in his words, end the medical tyranny of Dr. Bonnie Henry. So calling her a tyrant. Um, people have disagreed with some of the measures. Certainly there was a disagreement on do we keep the schools open, on a ban on parties. Uh, people are upset the funerals. If we go back two years, three years, remember those days mm-hmm. when we couldn't gather, all that sorts of thing. Yeah, some of this was controversial, but by and large the public accepted it. And the proof is, and we just got an update today on vaccination. So about 90% of British Columbians have at least two um, doses of uh, vaccine for COVID-19. As of now, 1.1 million people this in the last month have went in and got the flu vaccine. So there is support for vaccinations. Uh, as someone with a relative in a long-term care home, I do not want someone looking after my relative who doesn't believe in the science and therefore refuses to get vaccinated and runs the risk of bringing a terrible disease in, whether it's COVID or something else. So, uh, no, I think ben, the danger I think the conservatives did here by, by, again, you and I talked about this yesterday, they're yoking themselves to these fringe positions. I mean, most people, as I say, got vaccinated. The vast majority, 99.5% of healthcare workers got vaccinated. So we're going to throw away that to appease less than 2,000 people who are not full-time medical practitioners. We're talking casual workers for the most part uh, who have not noticeably damage the system because they're not working there. So I just thought by by going down the fringe route, the BC Conservatives are going to limit their appeal at a time when it's never been more conducive for that party to expand their appeal. But in stunts like this, uh, I just don't think that do that party any good at all. Well, Dr. Henry was uh, on this program at 3.30 to talk about uh, COVID numbers today, but uh, I, I, in the back of my mind said, I'm going to ask her uh, about uh, Mr. Bannerman and just the broader uh, criticism from um, the fringe elements of society. Take a listen to her comments. You know, it's hard sometimes, particularly with some of the rhetoric, uh, and it does affect you, and I'm certainly tired of that, and, and then some of it is quite hurtful. Um, but I, I also, you know, I'm very passionate about the work that we do. I, I happen to be the face and the voice of a, a very strong public health team in this province, and I'm very proud of them. I'm proud of the work that we've done together. And, you know, I really appreciate that most people in BC um, understand why we're doing this and understand the importance of the messages we have. So, you know, that makes me feel much better about everything. I think that's probably the best way to close the the interview. I, I'm I'm with you, Keith. I was just appalled the way it was presented in the legislature as a stunt. And uh, if you know the BC Conservatives want to be a long term political player, then you know what? Find the political center. Uh, yeah. And this fringe stuff is just just. You know, just and one of the saddest comments, and as I see Dr. Bonnie Henry all the time down here, the legislature, she still needs and requires an RCMP security escort because of the threat she gets. So. 
that's where some of this mentality is coming from. Unbelievable. Keith, thank you so much for your time. Have a great great weekend. weekend.